It's not about looking good, it's about being good. It's not what you say, it's what you do that matters most. It's about having the courage to step into your arena and do the work. Welcome to No Show Dogs, powered by ReliaQuest. Hey, welcome back to the No Show Dogs podcast, powered by ReliaQuest. My name is Darren McMains. I'm our director of mental performance, and I'm alongside my teammate, my coach, Dr. Nicole Detling. Doc, how are you? Hey, I'm fantastic. Really excited to be here today. And you know, a couple of reasons why. So one is we're in Arizona and right now while we're recording this, it is January and it's freezing in the rest of the world and it's nice to not wear a jacket. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because (laughs) as a resident of Arizona, I bundled up this morning. I'm like, it is so cold, right? And then people are flying in from, you know, we're going to introduce our guests here in just a moment where where she flew in from, where you're flying in from Salt Lake. And so it's it's a lot of fun definitely to be here in Arizona where it's sunny and a crisp uh, 50 degrees ish. (laughs) Well, but the other reason I'm super excited is we're doing this podcast in person live. We actually get to interview our guests live and she is absolutely one of my best friends and one of my favorite people in the field of mental performance. So I cannot wait for all of our listeners to hear from our guest. Dr. Amber Selking. Amber, welcome to the No Show Dogs podcast. Thanks so much, guys. Really excited to be here with you today. Awesome. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Amber. Please. So Dr. Amber Selking founded the Selking Performance Group, where their mission is to help individuals, sports teams, and business organizations unleash performance excellence by tapping into the power of mindset and leadership. She speaks with organizations around the world on these topics and has served as a high-performance consultant to sports teams and businesses, including programs like LSU football. Go Tigers. Keep that in mind, everybody. <laughs> we just had the ReliaQuest Bowl and who played and, oh yeah, who won? Well, who was that? I think the Tigers won. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> LSU football. Uh, she's also worked with the Denver Broncos, Notre Dame softball, and many more. She served as the mental performance consultant to the Notre Dame football team during the winningest five-year stint in program history and as an adjunct professor in the Mendoza College of Business at Notre Dame. Amber joined Lippert Components Incorporated in 2018, a publicly traded global manufacturing company headquartered in Elkhart, Indiana, where she served as the vice president of leadership and culture development and helps bring to life their vision of making business a force for good in the world. From the locker room to the boardroom, Amber takes a top-down, bottom-up, and culturally relevant approach to high performance. And not only that, but she also has a podcast called Building Championship Mindsets, and she wrote a book. When was that? A year ago? Two years ago? 2021 now. 2021. Man, time flies. Her book is called Winning the Mental Game. So Amber, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be with you guys. We're going to have an awesome conversation here. Yeah. So let's dive right into it. So ReliaQuest Bowl. So excited to have you there. When I found out that LSU was playing, my heart did a little leap for joy because I was like, oh my gosh, Amber's team, Amber's going to be at the ReliQuest Bowl. So exciting. Now, for those of you who watched the game, I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. Those who did not, just know this. It was a very exciting game. Came down to the wire. Actually, Wisconsin was winning a majority of the game. Came down to the wire and LSU ends up pulling it out in the fourth quarter. Not really the last minute, but kind of felt like it, right? From the fans' perspective and probably from the sideline too. (laughs) Um, And I got pretty excited as I was watching the game on TV and I saw Amber on the sidelines. I was like, yeah, that's my girl. (laughs) So Amber, tell us if you could just start with giving us a little bit about that game. What was that experience like for you, for the team? 
team? Just kind of walk us through that ReliQuest Bowl experience. You know, I think from a macro perspective, college football is in a really interesting space right now. And um, when you think about the transfer portal and NIL and the college football playoffs, like what do bowl games mean? anymore, you know? Mm. So there's, there's all these, I think, sort of larger issues at play when it comes down to actually playing the game of football that come before you even step on the field. And so it's really interesting, even just showing up. And we were, we were really fortunate because we actually had the majority of our team play. Um, Really one of our only guys that chose to sit out was our Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, Um, we got to talk about that too. We'll bring that back up. (laughs) Totally, which which is awesome and made so much sense. And he was at practices with us and on the sideline with us and fully engaged and invested. Um, And so we were fortunate to have pretty much a full team that was there because they wanted to compete one final time with their brothers. And so that was a core for us going into the game. And then you might have found that exciting, but when you're on the sideline, you really just prefer that you're winning the whole game. And so, um, you know, right towards the end of it, our our starting quarterback, Garrett Nussmeyer, uh, leads a 98-yard drive down the field to score a touchdown. And our defense, who had been struggling for most of the game, came up with two or three big stops right at the end to seal the win. And so I felt like, you know, Again, that that was a great um, just sort of microcosm of our whole season, you know, of this team being so committed to each other, so committed to our mission, um, so committed to our process and bending but never breaking and and finding something inside of them to finish strong. And and they did that. And so um, what was really special about that for our team was this was a back-to-back 10-win season, which actually doesn't sound like a big deal, but this is only the fourth or fifth time in the history of LSU football where they had back-to-back 10-win seasons. And I think less than less than 15% of teams across the nation have 10-win seasons to begin with. Wow. And so it was a really monumental stamp um, for this team and this program who, when, when um, Coach Kelly took over two years ago, we started with 38 scholarship players. And so, um, and went from the bottom of the SEC West to winning the SEC West last year. And then this year we came in third, I think, in the SEC West. But again, 10 wins was something really powerful. And I thought that game was just an example and a testament to this team. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, right? that's, Amber, you mentioned wanted to compete one final time with your brothers, right? That happens back in August, back, right? And it's like that you're building that type of culture, that type of uh, commitment and buy into one another. Like, walk us through, like, what does that look like as, as you're building that and building that, ultimately, I mean, the, the tightest bond you can within teams? Like, like, how did you build that along the way? Yeah, you know, you said August. It actually, it, it's interesting. A lot of what uh, Coach talked about was, listen, this game is not just the end of the 2020 season, it's the beginning of the 2024 season. And so bowl games are really interesting from that regard. Like they're a, they're a finishing stamp, but they're also a launching pad. And so what we try to help these guys understand is if you're graduating or if you're going to the league, this game matters because what we do next year is going to be because of what you did. And so trying to make guys understand that, you know, although we didn't win the national championship, which was our goal, when we do, it's going to be because of the foundation that you laid. And so the choices that you make as we go through preparation, as we go through this game, are going to be fundamental to who we continue to become 
And so this sort of team building cohesion culture is really a 365 days a year approach. And then as we go through, you know, now the guys had a couple weeks off and we're going to get started. Um, they start classes on the 15th of January. And then um, they'll, our, our new guys that come in, our mid-year transfers and freshmen, they'll start training, um, mental, mental performance training and uh, physical training uh, this, the, the same week. And then the team starts, you know, winter workouts the following week as a whole. And so from that point, each phase of the year is a different um, component to building the physical, mental, and relational, um, you know, cement that, that leads a team through the year. Yeah, Great. I love this. This is like talking about delayed gratification. Right? Totally. Um, one of the things, so right after the game, I was texting Amber, like, congratulations, whatever. And she texted me back and basically said, we believed in the process and we got the W. And so I'd love for you to talk about this, this idea of what is that process? What does that mm -hmm. look like? But then how do you also delay that gratification saying, oh, well, we didn't get the national championship this year, guys, but maybe next year or maybe the year after, <laughs> knowing some of those players aren't going to be with that program anymore. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, I think that I'll, I'll step back a little bit. You know, in my bio, you read, I believe in a top-down, bottom-up, and culturally relevant approach to high performance. That sounds like something that you put in a bio, and it is. But I, I think that it's really, if you are really after high performance, it can't happen in a vacuum. It can't happen with the mental performance coach that operates in isolation in some room. It can't happen just in the weight room. It has to happen from the very top. And Coach Kelly leads that charge and believes in a comprehensive and integrated approach to high performance. And then that bottom up is everybody inside of the organization has to be able to taste it, feel it, breathe it, speak it. And so when you have that, that leadership from the top and then real understanding and buy-in throughout your organization, you can start to get this long-term commitment and belief in what we're doing. And so when coach Kelly and I started working together seven years ago, um, you know, one of the first questions I asked him was, you know, what do you believe leads to winning? And, and we throw around this idea of process all the time. And so we really worked to clarify what our process is so that we can replicate success when we have it and we can diagnose failure when we have it without being emotional. And so for us, our process includes three elements. The first is total preparation, physical, technical, tactical, mental. The next part of that is what we call our traits of excellence. And these five traits are things that coach has seen in his 30 plus years of being a head coach of what leads to the best of the best. And so it's, it's having a laser focus. It's being gritty. It's being smart. It's having the right attitude and it's having an extreme attention to detail. When he thought about the best players that he's ever coached, those were the five things that he thought stood out. So those were our traits of excellence. And then finally our mindset, how are we going to think about what's in front of us? And so over the last, you know, seven years, five at Notre Dame and now two at LSU, that process has really guided 365 days a year of how we speak, how we train, how we win and how we lose. And, mm. um, and so it was really interesting at halftime we were not really in a great place emotionally. I mean, the guys were kind of like, 
what the heck? <laughs> I think, I don't know, like Wisconsin was kind of a weird draw for us, you know, uh, of a team to play. And, and again, you never really know what you're getting in these bowl games with all the different movement around teams and injuries and that kind of stuff. And so uh, the game wasn't really going the way that we thought it was going to, I think at halftime. And so, you know, coaches, coaches conversation was just about, listen, men, we've got, we've got 30 minutes left to finish how we intended and let's stay committed to our process. How are we going to compete physically, technically, tactically, and mentally? How are we going to pay, have great attention to detail so we don't make mistakes? How are we going to be smart and not jump off sides? How are we going to have a laser focus and execute when we need to? And then how are we going to think about this? Are we going to say, ah, whatever, season's over. Let's just chalk it up. We'll we'll get back at it next year. Are we going to come out here and finish the way we started? And, man, those guys, you know, they got their minds right. They got their hearts right. They communicated on the sideline. They just played one play at a time. And that was actually the post-game conversation. He said, you know, and that's an example of when you can block out everything and focus on just one play at a time good things can happen. And, and so that commitment of those guys throughout the year to that process. And then in that moment to the process and to our idea of focus and refocus one play at a time, um, paid off. And, and again, that sets the stage then for how we're going to attack the off season and the coming year. God, this is amazing. I don't know about yeah. you, DMAC, but I'm like fired up. Oh, just totally. her, I mean, like, just, like, let's go. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just the intentionality, right? I think is what I love most, right? Like how intentional you've all laid out, um, you know, those three buckets, the five traits of excellence. No Show Dogs is brought to you by ReliQuest. ReliQuest is at the forefront of cybersecurity, working with large organizations around the world to manage cyber risk. Through our innovative technology and a high-performance company mindset, we continuously strive for excellence, pushing boundaries, and working to get a little bit better as we make security possible. Learn more at ReliaQuest.com. One more thing about the ReliaQuest Bowl game, and then we'll talk about your work in corporate and and, and your book. Uh, Garrett Nussmeyer. Let's talk about him because I imagine the quarterback position... Every position is important, but obviously the quarterback, there's a little bit different um, expectation uh, that, that they carry um, and, and how they guide their team. To lose the Heisman winner that everyone fought, I mean, best player in the country, then you go in and now it's next man up, right? Which, you know, I think is a pretty common mentality across football, right? How physical it is. But can you walk us through just kind of how Garrett approached the game, the training, like how you saw him step up as a leader, right? Because I think about whether it's, entrepreneurs, business leaders, wherever you're at, there's a time when people, whether they leave to another company or they get elevated to a different role. And it's like, oh, we love, like that leader was so awesome, man. Right. And so how did he rally his teammates? Like, what did you see? You know, I think again, it goes back to Garrett didn't step up in the ReliaQuest bowl and like become this leader. Garrett has been this leader for the years that he's been in our program. And if you listen to one of his post-game press conferences, um, what he said was, I'm just so proud of the commitment and the choice that I made to stay here and to stay in this process that that we could come out and deliver when it matters. And I think that's a testament to who he is. He's always been a leader in the weight room, in the locker room, in off-season runs. He's always a communicator. He always intends to be the starter. And that was one of our conversations that we had earlier in the week was just like, hey, you're not the backup becoming the starter because the Heisman sat out. Like, no, the Heisman's moved, Jaden's moved on to the next season of his life. Awesome, guess what you are? QB1, not QB2 filling in. You're the guy. 
And so my, my personal theory of performance excellence begins with identity, you know, like really do you know who you are? And there's a difference of being the backup that's filling in versus the guy. And yeah. so while he has been committed to that in his own mind and his work ethic for the last couple of years, um, he was able to really now become, step into that identity fully. And so he's been putting the work in again through our process of total preparation for the last several years. And now we got to elevate that on this scene. And, and that's what I'm so proud of him for and how he led the team and um, how he'll continue to lead it moving forward. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. that, that and I love what you talked about. Right. It does come back to identity, right? Knowing who you are. And, um, can I, can I just, you said like, like, and I think a lot of leaders think that too, like a one day when I'm the leader, you have to adopt that mentality. Like it could be tomorrow. And am I ready? Right. Or am I the obvious choice to get this promotion? And, and sometimes because we're not the person, we give ourselves permission to sort of slack off in some of these minor details. And then all of a sudden it does often happen relatively quickly. And then we can find ourselves scrambling or have this sort of, um, lack of confidence because it's, it's like, I don't know if I'm really ready for this. And so, but if you operate every day that, you know, dress for the role you want kind of mentality and operate like that, when that, when that opportunity presents itself, you, you feel a lot more confident and ready to step into that. And I think that that's an important thing for all of us to, to remember. Yeah. Which I think is a perfect kind of segue into this, to our our next segment around the work you're doing, uh, in in the corporate space. How do you take what you just talked about around identity and seeing yourself as a leader before you're the leader, right? You got to think like a champion before you can ever be a champion type Mm -hmm. thing. Like how do you take uh, those principles and that type of focus into the business world? Like how do you coach leaders, uh, with that particular mindset? Yeah. So, Again, top down, bottom up, and culturally relevant. Top down, like our CEO, Jason Lippert at Lippert Components, he is the one that carries the torch on the importance of leader development and the importance of culture. And it's a testament because we've let go of really good leaders, right? They run their business really, really well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Part of this is being videoed, so I do the air quotes like you can see it. For those of you that are just listening, I'm doing air quotes. Uh, Really good leaders um, because they lead their business well, but man, culturally, they're they're not actually awesome leaders. And so we've, we've let go of people like that in our business because they refuse to get on board culturally. So for me, as the vice president of, of culture and leadership, I might not carry a big stick. Like our, our operations <laughs> leaders might not be very afraid of me, but they are of Jason. <laughs> yeah. And, and not because he's a mean controlling leader, but because they know what the expectation is. And he has a phrase that he uses all the time. We're going to coach you up or we're going to coach you out. And that comes down to choices that leaders have to make to get on board. So that's top down. Then bottom up, like we um, we have what we call leadership action plans, which are these little cards that people have and on the front side. There are three professional goals. And on the back side, there's three personal goals because we believe that when people are growing, they're, they're learning. They're, human beings are ignited in a new way when, when we're learning and our brains firing in new ways, our hearts stimulated. And we feel like people care about our growth. And so we believe that leads to engagement and, and high performance. And so that's a bottom up tool that we use to, again, get it in the hands of our people. But then to your question, that culturally relevant or contextually relevant, it looks a little bit different in the manufacturing environment than it does in football. And so the language that we use sort of morphs a little bit, but we still talk about, you know, the importance of mindset, the importance of awareness um, as a, as a 
person in terms of what's your personality trait? We do a lot of personality assessments like across the board for our frontline team members that are hands-on manufacturing people, not just in our C-suite. Sure. And so, you know, we, we do a lot of awareness of, of how are you wired? How do you show up? How do you respond to stress? How do you, um, how do you communicate when you're really busy? <laughs> how does that come off to your team? Um, feedback is really important to us in the business set- setting. And so, you know, doing um, engagement surveys where we actually read the data, where we actually put action plans around the results and communicate that to our team members. Um, and then, you know, again, these development plans for developing leaders. So similar high performance concepts, just it goes from Coach Kelly's sort of process to, you know, how we develop leaders in the in the corporate setting from that regard. And, and there we talk about, you know, leading self, leading team and leading business. And those are the three buckets that make a great leader in the business, somebody that knows how to lead themselves really well. They know how to lead, communicate, motivate their teams really well, and they know their business really well so that they can drive it forward. If you don't mind, I I just want to play on that a little bit because I think that's really important. A lot of what I'm hearing you say is that the processes are really important, but the people are more important because if you have the right people, the process is very easy to follow and kind of takes care of itself. And so I love this concept of coach them up or coach them out. <laughs> I think that's, it's simple, but that's incredibly powerful and a great thing to think about as you're working through some of these um, d- difficulties that you might have in the business world. So let's take it back a step further. Like how do you hire the right people? Yeah. I, you know, whenever I hire people, I always hire for the three C's, character, competence, and cultural fit. And I think, you know, if you think about a three-legged stool, if any one of those are off, it's, it's unbalanced. And you can have somebody that's a really, really good human being, you know, like you want to go have a beer with them or you want to hang out at a, the company picnic with them. But man, you really don't want to get put on an important project with them because you wind up pulling a little bit more weight <laughs> or you're like, for the love of God, would you just be better at what you do? And so, or you can have somebody that's a really great human, that's really, really good at what they do but they're just not a cultural fit for your organization. And, and so those three things I think have been a really good guide for us of trying to identify the right people, get them in the right roles and then let them go, you know? And, and that's when then if you get the person right and then the environment's right, that's where greatness can really thrive, I think. And pretty quickly when you get your environment, Darren, you said like, I love how clear it is. When you're leading a big organization, um, it has to be clear for, for all the people to be able to get on the same page. I heard a quote one time, like if it's fuzzy at the pulpit, it's mud by the time it hits the pews, you know, and the same is true in the business. One of our presidents says all the time, he's like, man, you say it like 5,000 times. And just when you think they got it, it's the first time they're hearing it. And so you got to have consistent language around that. And, and so again, once you start to have that environment where it's really clear about who we are, how we operate, those people that aren't cultural fits become very obvious to everyone else and to themselves. And so I read an interesting article one time. It was titled, I wish I would have fired more people. And it was the former Panera CEO. And obviously it's a catchy headline, but he said, you know, I often thought I was being a nice, good leader by trying to get people to work. And sometimes I kept them too long when if I just would have let them go, they could have found an organization where they would have thrived in. And I deprived them of that because I thought I was saving somebody, you know, and I think that's important for us to keep in mind as leaders. You know, that this is really awesome stuff. And I, I'm wondering, like going back to football for a minute, 
you probably recruit for that as well, right? So it's similar, whether it's sports, whether it's business, finding the right people, getting the right butts in the right seats Mm -hmm. is imperative for high performance. Would you agree with that? 100%. And I think that's been, it's been really fun. Like whenever we hire new people into coach Kelly's staff, I always ask him like, what do you love about his leadership? What do you think about our program? What's different here than anywhere else you've ever been? And when I talk to our recruiting guys, you know, they, that's the same thing they say, like, man, the more we learn about his perspective on high performance and how this is structured and what's going to lead to success here, recruiting becomes so much easier for us because we know, God, he's a really good player. I'm doing air quotes again, Uh, but he's not going to be successful here. And, and ultimately that won't lead to what we're after. So it it does, it makes recruiting, it makes retention a lot easier and it makes performance management a lot easier to be honest. I mean, in our, in our interviews, in the company that I work with, we, we talk all the time about our core values about, I mean, we have very clear core values Our we have a very clear vision statement, a very clear mission statement, core values and leader qualities. And we talk about those all the time. They're on those leadership action plans. They're in our interviews. They're in our performance reviews. They're everywhere. And so it really comes to life and helps us make sure we're all on the same page to become, I mean, we went from a just breaking $1 billion five years ago to now we're at $5 billion company. And so the growth that we've seen is a testament to the alignment across a global organization that we're experiencing. That's fantastic. Can we talk about you kind of in this last segment here? I want to talk about your book a little bit. And it's the first time we met. I think if I remember right, you can correct me. I feel like you had just graduated from getting your doctorate at Missouri. Is that correct? So I was just moved back to South Bend and I was working on my dissertation to graduate in December. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, it's been like fun to watch you grow and do all the cool stuff you're doing on social media. And, And you've written a book and just a huge success in what you've done, grown our field incredibly, like all the stuff you're doing. And so I just want to talk about one, like, how do you do it all? Like, like mom, you have an eight month old, you've written a book, you're working with one of the most prolific college football coaches of all time, biggest programs, Notre Dame, now LSU, working at Lippert, like you're doing all these things. Like, how do you, how do you manage it all? How do you do it? Yeah. Well, first of all, praise God, because I, I, I have to find like another layer of, I have a lot of energy, but like, I'm just grateful that, you know, he's given me, uh, you know, the, the energy and perspective, I think, and, um, heart for people. I'm just going to, my mom told me when I was little, she let me play as many sports as possible because like I could stay out of jail and because <laughs> like, I was like so busy. And I yeah. always say like, thank God I had Jesus at a young age or I could be running a cartel, you know? Um, so, so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd like to start at that point. But then secondly, um, I have an amazing husband who is the biggest supporter. Um, I would work all day at Lippert. I would go to football practice and then I would come home and work on my book and he would make dinner. And we, you know, when we, we went into this season where we didn't have kids yet and we sort of named this the season of work. Mm. And so we just realized like this was a season that we'd never get back where we can both invest a ton in our careers that would hopefully lay a foundation to give us flexibility in the future, whenever that might be. And so we would check in that season lasted probably five and a half, six years. So it was a lot. And he has been a rock and my biggest supporter and he's a hard worker too, and gets it. And, and I I say that only to extrapolate to people listening. I think one of the most important choices you can make is who your partner is. A lot of the executive coaching I do or coaches that I work with, they show up better or worse depending on what's happening at home, the volatility and and stuff that can happen there. So that's the second part. 
And then, you know, Darren, I've been really blessed with amazing leaders. So the, the coach Kelly, um, is an amazing leader who has helped me grow, who, uh, appreciates who I am and how I operate. And we collaborate really well together. The guys at Lippert, uh, Jason Lippert, Ryan Smith, Jamie Schnur, those three guys, like they, um, we work really well together. And, and I think that finding organizations where you're a cultural fit um, and that you can really, um, iron sharpens iron and you can get after being freaking awesome every day. Like that's where I thrive. And, and to be able to be around leaders that want that as well, um, to honor coach Saban, who just retired, you know, he, I love his quote one time. He's like, listen, high performers don't like mediocre people and mediocre people don't like high performers. And so I love winning. And so it can be a lot for some people, but man, I've been blessed to find some leaders that are about that life too. And so as much as it is, it's felt invigorating and, and we've been able to do collectively some really cool stuff. And now having little Eliana Bell in the mix, she's a stud. I mean, she loves life. She loves traveling. She traveled to every home game with us on the airplane and she's just a trooper. She chirps the whole time. I tell them all the time. She's just coaching you up right till she can actually use words. Um, so it's, it's been really cool. And we just, we, we prayed over her for nine months and our prayer over her every day is that she grows strong physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. I'm wondering if that was an aggressive prayer because she, she's, she's pretty strong in all those areas right now, and uh, it's just going to get better. So it's been pretty cool. That's great. That's, uh, so that, I love that. Um, just a, a little bit more on, on you personally. Like, where do you find, like, how do you create space to create, right? Because, I mean, obviously the programs you've built, the, the clarity at which you speak with has, has taken a lot of time to create that clarity. I mean, just, it takes time. And so when you're really busy, like I think about a lot of leaders who are always in it all the time, how do they create, like, how have you created space for yourself to really find a way to articulate some of the things that you found to be helpful to others to help drive performance? Like where, where does that space come from? Like, what, what do you do? I, I have some really good mentors in my life. And one of them, when I was going to grad school said like, you know, remember learning is doing right now because he know knows I have a bias for action. And so I really took that to heart. And while I was in grad school, I tried to really just invest myself in learning and thinking and creating. Like my book is built off of an outline that I put together in a coffee shop in Colorado when I was in my master's program. And, and then I went to work at IMG and I used that outline and I fleshed out some of those ideas. And so I try like whatever season I'm in to try to like really be in that season and, and cultivate my thinking in that space that I have, knowing that in the future, I'm not going to have that space anymore. (laughs) And so to be honest, we're at this conference in Arizona. This is the first sports site conference that I've been to in seven years because ASP is usually in the fall and it's during football season. And so I've never been able to go. And when you're doing a lot of times, it's sometimes hard to step back and learn. And so during those, those training years, I tried to take them really, really seriously and build as much depth as I could so that then over the last seven years, as I've been partnering with, with leaders and working and creating together, there's, I got a lot of depth of stuff to pull from and we've been able to articulate it. And, and honestly, I feel like I'm coming up into this next season of like, okay, we've built a lot of stuff over the last seven years what's the next layer of this? How do we find a new frontier, new ways of thinking, new ways to incorporate things? And so I'm, I'm excited about what this next season is going to look like in that regard. 
That's great. Yeah, th- thanks for sharing that. Uh, Doc, you want to wrap us up? Final question. Can no. I add one more thought Please. to that? Because that's Please. sort of a macro perspective. I think on a micro perspective, leaders need to understand what do you need? What rhythms do you need to cultivate in your life that allow you to have um, wells to draw from? So while that was sort of a macro perspective, every year, you know, about every quarter, I take a half a day or a day and I just go back and look at my goals that I've set, my vision that I have for like my 15 year, 10 year, five year, one year plan, the goals that I have, like, how are we doing? Check in with that. Um, And then usually between it's changed with bowl season, but usually between Christmas and new year or sometime in January, I'll take just like a mini personal retreat and go through that process um, to really reflect and see where my gaps, where do I need to learn? Where have I not um, networked well enough to, to have the mentors and people that I need to, you know, be sustainable for the next year or so. And so um, whatever, some, some people need more of that. Some people need less of that. I, I think that's what leaders need to understand is you need to find your rhythm and maybe it's once a week, you know, you take 30 minutes every Monday and 30 minutes every Friday to start your week and end your week and reflect and plan and strategize and recalibrate. Maybe it's quarterly, maybe it's annually, um, but figure out what those look like for you to make sure that you can continue bringing your best to the world. That's great. Thanks for that specific example. That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah. I really appreciate that. I think there's a lot of value there that people will be able to get from that um, and some good guidance. Uh, Last question. And we ask this of all of our guests and uh, this is called the No Show Dogs podcast because we don't like to talk about it. We are about it. We don't just talk about it. We do it, right? I love it. Um, and so the last question we ask everyone is, what are those things that you are willing to do that no one else was that has helped you be successful? That's a great question. Um, I mentioned my husband before. Um, I No one else was willing to marry him. No one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody else was willing to wait long enough. I didn't okay, meet that. Okay. I didn't meet that cat till I was 29 years old. And okay. I thought that happened a lot sooner than it did. Um, but, you know, I was willing to not settle. You know, and I am so grateful because none of this would be possible without him. But I think, you know, you can extrapolate that to even the teams that I get to work with now and being in college football. Like I knew I wanted to work in college football because, you know, I was a soccer player at Notre Dame and a lot of my buddies were football players and and we would spend hours, you know, icing each other's knees, having life talk, uh, you know, talking about what we're going to do someday and just hearing their hearts. And I just knew like, man, if these dudes could figure it out and be really good leaders on campus, we could transform how college athletics work because everybody looks to football. And and I felt like if those pro I'm a business person, right? So if you think about ROI return on impact, like it's awesome if we can get the golf team doing great things, you know, but not everybody's watching that. But, but if we could figure out how to transform how, college football program was operated and then those guys showed up differently on campus what impact that could be and so I remember sharing that and early on people were like hey you know you're probably not going to work in college football like you know also don't say that because you're a woman and you look like a jersey chaser and all the things and so you know I dealt with a lot of bullshit and you and you have to be ready for that and and I didn't take it personally I don't, I I don't hold grudges. I don't get, I refuse to get bitter, but I, I also refuse to give up on like the vision that I have on my heart for what I think people can be, what I think systems can be. And I think how I can be a catalyst in some of those areas. And then it's a timing game, you know? And, and I think, 
it's, it, it often is a lot longer timing than I would have liked. Um, but I still trust that there are plans and purposes and there's a lot of other things that have to get orchestrated for this to work. And so I think, you know, being able to, to have a vision, to hold on to it and to hold on to it for a long time, um, and be ready when your number, when your number is called is something that I, you know, I've been able thankfully to do with the right support around me. So that's what I would say. That's awesome. That kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier with like the delayed gratification. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. That's such a great example. Thank you for that. Yeah. Amber, where can, where can people find you? Right. Cause I, I, I'm excited for us to put this one out because I need to go back and listen to it. Cause I was trying to take so many notes and I'm like, heck with I, it. I can't, I can't keep up. I'm going to have to come back uh, and just listen to it again. So where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? Yeah. So, um, we've got some resources on our website at selkingperformance.com. Uh, you can follow me on all the social media. We're on, uh, at champ mindsets. That's mindsets with an S and on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all that fun stuff. And, um, and then on the website, you can find the book again, it's winning the mental game, the playbook for building championship mindsets. Um, it's structured in a really cool way that, you know, it's got stories in it from the people that we've worked from. There's a lot of science that teach people how your brain works, how it impacts, how you show up. And at the end of every chapter, there's actual mind set training that you can do to build that element into how you operate. That's actually the foundational program that we take all of our players through um, when they come into our program so that everybody gets eight hours of foundational mindset training that then becomes what we pull from throughout the in-season uh, operation. So um, it's, it's again, it's structured in a way that's really applied and applicable. And then um, our podcast, again, Building Championship Mindsets. So those are all the fun ways you can reach out. I'd love to love to connect with you. Fantastic. Awesome. And I can tell you what, this weekend, I'm so excited to just get to spend more time with you, learn from you, learn doc. You know, we got some more uh, folks that it's just going to be a great weekend all together here in Phoenix. Awesome. Well, thank you both for having me and thank you guys for the work that you do in our field. Um, It's really cool to just be connected and then now even be more connected. And again, seeing the impact of actually doing this work in sport and business. And so it's going to be fun learning together and hopefully growing forward together as well. Fantastic. Thanks, Amber. Thanks, guys. Thank you.